You're listening to the Infidelity and Beyond podcast. Each week, we talk about topics that focus on not only surviving, but thriving after being betrayed by a partner or spouse. It can be one of the most traumatic and lonely times of your life, and that's why we're here. So welcome. This is your safe space. Well, hello, everybody. Hey, troops. Thanks for joining me today. It's a beautiful, sunny autumn day here in Melbourne as I record this in my studio. And before I start, I just wanted to read an extract of an email a listener sent me through last week. So you can contact me at podcast at infidelityandbeyond.com. And um, it was a lovely email to read. So thank you for sharing it with me. And I'm not sharing her name because she wanted to remain anonymous. So Here we go. I think it's funny that we're always held accountable for our crimes, our work ethic, and our finances. Yet when it comes to our responsibility with how we treat others in our intimate lives, we're allowed to excuse our bad behaviors away. Whether that is a feeling to show up to an important friend's event that you're RSVP'd or cheating on your romantic partner, at the end of the day, regardless of why, you hurt your loved one. You still made an active and deliberate choice not to consider them and your responsibility to them as a friend, family member or lover. Cheating isn't one step. It's a multi-step process. And it's a process that selfishly restricts your partner from having the same freedoms to access. Regardless of the intentions behind their cheating, it isn't fair to keep someone else emotionally, mentally and sexually restricted while you yourself get to roam freely. What a great email. So thank you so much for that. And it got me thinking this week about responsibility and accountability. Now, starting this podcast has really had me self-reflecting on the past four years ago, four years or so since I found out about my husband's cheating. And it's quiet times like these and emails like this when there's no one else around except for me and the microphone, of course, and, and um, you know, listeners' comments that I really start to see how different my life is compared to what it, I had planned. And now I can see this as either a good thing or a bad thing. And there's no doubt that part of my recovery was mourning the loss of the life I had and the future I expected. And the extent of that loss is not to be underestimated. But as I mentioned last time, you aren't responsible for your partner's betrayal, but you are responsible for managing your recovery from it. So whilst I felt immense grief at my loss, I was also shit scared that I would be stuck in a spiral of grief and anger and depression and hate just forever and I could never get out of it. So you hear of people who are, you know, five, seven, ten years down the line from finding out and still struggling to move on. And that was actually one of my biggest fears because as an optimistic person by nature, to not have hope and positivity in my life was a really, really scary thought. So I started to do a lot of reading and research about recovering from infidelity, especially around that, um, you know, feeling better and responsibility. But the trouble was that most of it was either to help repair a relationship or prepare yourself for a new one, which is fine for some, but not for me. Where was the stuff about healing just for my own sake, about, you know, letting go of the pain and anger just for the purpose of my own peace and well-being, not so I could be a partner to someone else. I just couldn't find it in the infidelity stuff. 
So I then decided to branch out a bit from infidelity topics and move on to more of the self-help, self-growth material. And that's where I found my happy place. And the biggest one for me was the concept of above the line and below the line thinking. Now, you may have heard of it and you also may have heard of it as victim versus victor mentality. Now, victim mentality is when you feel that bad things keep happening to you no matter what. And at the root of this mentality is that none of these circumstances or situations you feel are your fault or that you have any control over. That is below the line thinking. Now, above the line thinking is where you take ownership of your situation, not blame, ownership, and you make you take ownership for making it better or changing it. You're open, you're curious, you try stuff, you explore. You may fail, but you can dust yourself off and get back up again. And at its core, it's about taking accountability for our life. Now, it's normal to be unsatisfied in some parts of our life and for stuff to go wrong, but it is absolutely doesn't serve us to think that we have no control over anything and we can't change anything. So how can you recognize the type of person that you typically are? Well, there's some victim mentality below the line signs that I'll read out to you now. You blame your, you blame others for the way your life is. You truly think life is against you. You have trouble coping with problems in your life and feel powerless against them. You feel stuck in life and approach things with a really negative attitude. You feel attacked when someone tries to offer you helpful feedback. Although saying that, I feel like that too, but I feel like I'm a positive person. (laughs) Feeling bad for yourself gives you relief or pleasure. You attract people who blame others and complain about their life. And it's difficult for you to examine yourself and make changes. Now, a great example of this is that a colleague of mine years ago had parked his car in a parking lot. And when he got back to it, someone had damaged it with their car, which is a pain in the neck, I know. But the person had left a note with their name, number, insurance details, and they called them and it was all legitimate. And I thought this was awesome that someone had been honest when no one was around. They didn't have to. But my friend saw it as bad luck and how much time they would have to spend getting the car repaired now and, you know, everything else that went wrong in their life suddenly came up and all they did was complain and you absolutely know the type, right? Um, Well, now you know that they are below the line thinkers. Um, Not that telling them is going to make them any better. I don't think sometimes people get very, very stuck in their below the line thinking ways. And the thing about above and below the line thinking is that if it affects not only how you act in that specific situation, but then it goes on to permeate the rest of your life. So while my friend, my friend, it wasn't a friend, my colleague was quite rude to the other person, maybe this person won't be honest, so honest next time if all they get is abuse. And then the day that they had to take their car in, all they could do was complain. And of course, everything went wrong that day too. They spilled their coffee, they got emails that annoyed them, and then they responded abruptly to those emails. And it was just misery begetting misery. Now, look, he wasn't the type of guy I used to enjoy working with because he'd be like this all of the time. And it was exhausting to be around that level of negativity. And I always thought, oh, perhaps, you know, this guy does have, you know, pretty bad things going on in his life. But when I saw this situation where he could have had a much more positive attitude to it, I realized that he was happy to be in that negative way of thinking. And usually these types of people's lives never really change that much because, you know, they they don't feel like they can make any change to it that will actually benefit them. 
So the optimist in me loves the above the line thinking stuff and and you know usually that is who I am and how I how I act. Obviously you go through extreme trauma of what a breakup does to you, what infidelity does to you and it does it does hit you for six a bit with with your optimistic thinking etc. So um the optimistic above the line thinking. It was always inherently in me. I did have to really work at it in those first couple of years because I was struggling so much with, you know, so many negative emotions. But the thing about a love uh, above the line thinking is that it is so much more energizing and it also affects how you act in that situation again, as well as the rest of your life. So negativity shuts down opportunities and growth. Curiosity and gratitude opens them up, which is a part of, you know, above the line thinking. So here are some examples of above the line thinking. You don't see problems as the bigger picture of your life, of the world being against you. You're able to problem solve and not let issues affect other areas of your life. You see problems as the way rather than in the way. You have a track record of making positive changes in your life. You feel and you show gratitude to those around you. And you're able to laugh off or shrug off many disasters like spilling your coffee most of the time. Not all of the time, I get it, but most of the time. Now, there's an easy way to remember the above the line, below the line thinking with a couple of simple acronyms. So the first one is OR, ownership, accountability, and responsibility. And I love the analogy of the OR. You are holding it, you're steering your life with it, you're in control through whatever waters you may pass through. Sometimes you'll get dunked with the water, but you still have that self-determination with your OR. And then the below the line thinking one is BED. Blame, excuses, and denial. Now, I don't love this analogy so much because I love my bed. It's very comfy and I love my sleep very, very much. But I guess you could look at it like you are stagnant, not acting and tied down to something. So let's go with that, hey? But as I said, let's not diss beds. <laughs> now, to really make the best of what has happened to you, taking an above-the-line thinking approach to your life is is just vital. And like I said, I, I did struggle with making that like the default way that I, I acted in those first two years of, of recovering. But when we talk about responsibility, I want to be very clear here that you're not at all responsible for the cheating, the person who cheated is. So everyone is responsible for their own thoughts and feelings. Let me say that again because it's really, really important. If above the line thinking approach says you are responsible for your own thoughts and feelings, it also means that others are responsible for their own. So like I've said before, you aren't responsible for the cheating you're responsible for recovering from it. And inversely, they aren't responsible for how you think and feel either. Now, when we get stuck in justifications, like I said, I was really worried about being stuck in that below the line thinking. It, it literally does prevent you from movement, from taking action. You feel frustrated, you're angry, you blame, you're resentful, you point the finger and I liken it to drinking poison and expecting someone else to get sick. All it does is poison you. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had a lot of anger and resentment towards my husband over the years of my recovery, like I said, 
but I tried not to use those feelings to give up on trying to be happier or excuses for not taking the steps to make my life better. They were absolute road bumps along the way and, man, there were a lot of them. But I just used them as challenges. I tried to see them as challenges rather than absolute roadblocks. So some of the ways that you can use your above-the-line thinking is as follows, and this is the way I used I used them. And my first one was about being proactive when I had a problem that I couldn't solve myself, not just stewing on it and thinking that there's nothing I can do. So it was things like going to an accountant to talk about finances, going to a lawyer to talk about everything else, a psychologist for when, you know, those negative thoughts really took control of me, fitness experts. So, you know, I I, I signed up to the gym and to to classes and just people that would help me actually make positive change in in my life. And a nutritionist. I actually went to a nutritionist as well because I was eating rubbish. I didn't have the headspace to actually make my own menus like I usually did. Um, And what was great about that is that it just reset me and it gave me some tools that I use today that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't have gone to them. So being proactive when you have a problem that you can't solve by yourself and actually using experts to help you when you can. The next one is looking out for the passive language that your partner or friends and family will try to make you act the way they want you to. And I'm not saying that they do this deliberately, some might, but I don't think it is a deliberate thing. But a great example I have of this is when we told the kids that we were separating and my husband said that we shouldn't tell the kids about what he'd done because it would hurt them. Um, No, your act of cheating hurt them, not us telling them. So that's a a really sort of key point there that he wasn't taking responsibility and accountability for his actions. He was actually sort of blaming me for trying to tell them. So looking out for that passive language. And I want you to remember the phrase, this is my next tip, I am not responsible for your feelings, you are. It's a great line to have up your sleeve for a number of different discussions and what it can do, it can really just shut down a lot of conversations that would otherwise lead to a blame game. And I found it was just so useful sometimes. And there were times when, um, you know, it it may have inflamed the situation um, further. However, I was able to step away and say, right, we, we can't have this discussion now because, you know, you're obviously far too emotional about this and we can't have it, that discussion now. So having the phrase, I'm not responsible for your feelings, you are, is um, a great tool to have in your toolkit. Next one is about journaling your day, your thoughts and feelings. It's interesting when we see our inner monologue written down on paper and and how much better we can analyze it in the third person and see how these things are affecting our life and how our thoughts perhaps are holding us back. So when we do journal, have a look out for everything I talked about, the below the line stuff, the thinking, the denial, the blame, the finger pointing, etc. As I said, it's fascinating to see it all written down on paper. And then think about how it's stopping you from doing things if you're if you are having those thoughts. My last one that I want to share today is about setting your intention for how you want to show up in life, thinking about the future you and who you want to be. How can you act to make changes now 
that will set you up for success and perhaps just be the person who you want to be in the future as well. So those types of accountable, responsible and really positive things that you want to be and who you want to be. Now I'm going to talk about that that topic much more next week around setting the intention for how you want to show up in life. That's our topic next week. So please make sure you tune in then. So the summary of this week's episode then, I've said it a lot, but I'm going to say it again. You aren't responsible for your partner's cheating or their thoughts and feelings, but you're responsible for forging your new life now and how you think and feel. I know it can sound daunting, but the strength and the confidence that comes from your awe of ownership, accountability, and responsibility is a true superpower, I promise. So thank you so much again for spending the time with me. The Infidelity and Beyond podcast is released every Sunday, and I love to hear your feedback and comments. You can email me like uh, we had last week at podcast at infidelityandbeyond.com. And until then, have a great week, and I look forward to hearing how you're going to use your or this week. See you then. Bye. You've been listening to the Infidelity and Beyond podcast. We're honored we're a part of your recovery journey and remind you to seek help from friends, family, and professionals when you need it. 